0: From Phoenix 5th and New Dog Media, it's the Settle Smarter Podcast.
1: When you're a gig worker, you have wider blind spots. You need to be aware of your blind spots. Those things become a challenge to getting your work done and making a contribution.
0: If you're the kind of person who wears one mask at work, one on the drive, one for your partner, your kids, your kids' teachers, your boss, the post lady... And you look in the mirror and don't know who you see. This show is for you. Welcome to Settle Smarter, Season Two, the Authentic Season, a safe place to take off your masks. And now, your hostess with the mostest, Dana Look Arimoto. Welcome
2: back. To stop settling, time to settle smarter. We're already smart. We are always able to be smarter, especially as young up-and-coming women share their stories. And today's guest is no different. She is an incredible woman, referred to me by our own producer, Paul, Sarah Johnson out of LA. Her list of companies she has been creative, brand manager, product manager, a la all things help them look amazing out in the world, include an enviable list like Tiffany's and Lux and Netflix. And I will let her tell more of her own story as we welcome her to the show. Hi. hi. Yeah. So I am a
1: creative project manager. And like you said, I've worked with some really great brands. I was with Tiffany and company longest. I was not a, what I call capital PM project manager there, but I connect the dots and I work with lots of different people in different ways to produce things and make things happen. So I have a BFA through that fine art background. It gave me a chance to exercise my creative insight but what I realized is in addition to being creative I have the ability to look at things from both a macro and micro level and that there's a word for this skill and there's a need for it and it's called creative project management. It's a field that has recently received finally a lot of recognition. It's a growing field especially as people work more remotely post-pandemic we need people to connect those dots and keep conversations going. That's what I'm I'm good at. That's what I love doing and I'm
2: passionate about. So talk to us about the career pathing for up and coming professionals, women in particular, men too. We're we're cool with men. What do they do when they're trying to figure out in this, you know, i'm gonna say post pandemic or coming out of gently maybe pandemic because i don't know that we're out yet situation what do they do in terms of working as an independent contractor or a gig worker versus going in-house you've done both what what would you tell them that they want to do that's best for themselves which is that whole notion of make conscious trade-offs and be smarter what would you say
1: I want to start that answer by saying I didn't choose the gig life. The gig life chose me. I have found that my contributions go much farther and can have a much deeper impact when I am in-house. And historically, that's how it's been for me. I was at Lucky Brand for almost four years and the work that I did there really transformed the um, creative services team. And I'm proud to say that they've had some project managers since me and they're still using a lot of the methods and tools that I set in place. And my name still comes up in meetings. So I think that's just a testament to the impact and the legacy that one can have. That said, working in several shorter term positions since has given me a lot of different insight and seeing ways of working, tools, um, different different modalities and different thought processes that help inform my work as a project manager and different ways of doing things. So there's benefits to both. I prefer working with a team where I can really make connections and really leverage my skill of building relationships as a project manager. I think I can do that better when I'm in-house longer term somewhere, but I use those and I flex those skills working um, from gig to gig. I guess what led me here and that the advice I have for other people is really look at what Your strengths are that you do naturally and lean into those. So if you are a relationship builder, lean on that when you're looking for gig work, see who you know, who needs a project manager, who do you think needs a project manager and lean into your relationship to let them know why you think they need a project manager. If you're good at tools management, maybe you see an opportunity to help people use their tools differently or better. And that's a way to shift into letting people realize that you're Available to lend your skills to them in a in a gig capacity. I don't know if that answers your question.
2: It does, I and mean, we're in the gig economy, as it's called. Some of us love that term. Some of us don't. I, I come from staffing of twenty five years, so I'm not a huge fan of the term gig economy because it denotes sometimes less than not part of temporary. Right. So some of the gig workers, like yourself, at your level aren't necessarily thrilled with this whole gig economy thing, despite the fact that it's like, you know, really taking off. And it seems to be the wave change for the future. Talk to us about what you don't love about the gig economy.
1: Yeah. You know, it's hard being the new girl all the time. Um, if you've ever been the new kid in real life, it feels the same way. It feels the same way. You're constantly onboarding. You're constantly looking at your 30, 60, 90. You're constantly figuring out the politics and, um, of the organization you work with you're constantly figuring out where do i find the thing those things can impede just getting down to business to do your best work. I think psychologically, there's a difference in how you might be treated among the team if someone hasn't made an investment in in you. And when I've worked in situations where I'm onboarding, I'm, I'm frequently onboarding with others who are full time for one reason or another. And when the meeting ends. I leave and they stay because then they start talking about benefits at 401k, there's something psychologically that shapes those things. Interestingly, at Netflix, the Netflix uh, culture is very well known for lots of different reasons, and they expect you to be resourceful. And if you're there, it's because you've demonstrated that you're a resourceful person. And they put all of their information, basically, they use G Suite. So, You are the captain of your own ship. You're the steward of your own role there. Your role is constantly changing. It's up to you to find what you need to get your work done. And there's a lot of things they do to support that. However, my email address at Netflix was different. And that precluded me from having a lot of that information at my fingertips. And especially when you're onboarding, when you're new anywhere, you don't know what you don't know. I had some more blind spots. I guess that's a way to put it. When you're a gig worker, you you have wider blind spots, you need to be aware of your blind spots. And uh, those things become a, a, a challenge to just, um, just taking off and, and, and getting your work done and making a contribution. So you're like a satellite in some ways around the rest of the team that shows up in some unexpected ways. It's just sort of one of those things you just roll with the punches and you navigate around.
2: Not everyone has had your perspective of being in-house at big brands and luxury brands and really well-known brands and a gig worker inside of similar types of brands. So if you, Sarah, had a magic wand and an endless bucket of money what would you do? Would you go in-house full-time and kind of be there forever? Would you move around? Would you do the gig thing? What would you design for yourself in terms of career path? You know, that's
1: really interesting. I never even kind of thought of it that way is what, what's best for me if there were no rules, Um, especially I think in my, in my work is, is so based around rules and structure. Um, So I guess, you know, that segues into my answer. I'm a, I'm a structure person. I depend on a lot of structure. And I think creative people um, actually do. Um, there's a misperception that we're very free spirit and we are. But when you're creating and designing, there are design criteria. So structure is important. Um, I think for me, my nature is I would want to be in-house. Those uh, relationships that I build and the long-term view of the brand that I'm working on, the history of the brand, um, and being able to support my team, getting to know the individuals, finding out their working styles, how they work, what motivates them, what's draining for them. Those things go really far in making me a good project manager. And I think those kinds of
2: things happen over time. So to me, that looks like in-house. Thank you. So let's, let's play off of the quote you have on your LinkedIn profile from Rumi, which is let the beauty we love be what we do. Is that more about your creative brand product and project management work? Or is it beyond that when you listed that on your profile? I love that you did that by the way. What what does that mean? Um, I have a fashion design background
1: and um, I started in that arena, but it took me a a while of working with different coaches and doing some personal inventory assessment to see what am I good at? What do I love? What are my strengths? What has my history been? And what does all of that look like if I add them all up? Um, And I think that although I have a design background, I'm not a designer. But that doesn't mean i'm not a creative so i identify as a creative and there's different ways of being when you're a creative and that goes beyond you know if you're a dancer a visual artist if you're a movie director if you're a writer there's so many different ways of creative communication and expression so for me let the beauty we love be what we do i identify as a creative and an artist but also a producer. So to me, that was one way of saying that. I think personally, um, if I were to apply it to my personal life, it's just sort of an aspirational reminder just to continue to see beauty and aspire to uh, incorporate it into your life, whatever that is. If if your hope has post-pandemic or during the pandemic and you want to take up gardening or you want to invest more in your gardening or your home or yourself, to keep in mind what you find beautiful and fulfilling and valuable.
2: That is incredible advice and sage wisdom. And we want the listeners to take a minute now and actually brainstorm for themselves what they're really passionate about, what they're really creative about. especially more corporate type of personas that I work with in my coaching practice, tell me I'm not creative. And you just busted that myth wide open. That was really cool what you did, blending the production element along with being creative, yet not a designer, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It's interesting. What actually, there was a moment, there was a very specific moment in my um, workshopping of and coaching and what do I want to be when I grow up? So I was working in a role where I felt something about things about it were working for me and things about it were not working. And and what am I good at? What do I want to be when I grow up? And I did an exercise. I was coached on an exercise where we were asked to think about a time in our life professionally or, you know, semi-professionally, when we felt fulfilled, when we felt like we were energized, when everything was coming together for us. And what were we doing? What was happening? And through that exercise, I remembered a time when I was helping produce a fashion show post-college in my very early career. And what was I doing? I was resourcing the venue, the photographer. I was working with a friend who was (laughs) serving as our PR contact. I was finding models. I was... I was representing the designer's vision while letting him design. And I was taking care of all of the other details and I needed somebody to let me know there's a word for that and it's producing. And that's when I realized I'm a producer. I produce creative projects. I'm a creative project manager and I really never looked back. It took a few steps and a few different jobs and pulling some ends together to demonstrate to potential employers that that's what I did and that I could do that reliably. But once I did that, I never I never looked back and I, I feel like hashtag born to PM and that's just who I am.
2: Let me add to that hashtag, born to PM. If we had the ability to magic wand, endless bucket of money for our listeners, their hashtag, they would need to fill in their own blank. Is that what you're saying? How do they get there? How do they get there? I mean, you had an epiphany, right? Through coaching, self-discovery, exploration, incredible exercises, what energizes you, what de-energizes you. How do our listeners start to get there? Because they probably want what you have, which is clarity. I'm so glad you asked
1: that. This is something I really believe strongly in, and I and I recommend to colleagues and friends when it comes up. There's some tools that I used for my own personal inventory assessment, and a lot of them are really well known. Um, they are StrengthsFinder 2.0 was hugely valuable to me, um, and it's something that a lot of recruiters and HR professionals know about. So if if you take the time um, to make A really small financial investment that's going to last you a lifetime in the StrengthsFinder 2.0 book or there's an exercise online. It Let me know what my top five strengths are. I also believe somebody very wisely told me that one's weakness is also their strength, which is huge. Um, So if I'm detail-oriented, that's great, but that also means maybe I'm myopic and I need to be aware of that and align myself with people who can help complement that. And StrengthsFinder really elucidated that for me, and it helped me articulate that to other people, especially when I was really trying to segue into this work. It gave me some vocabulary and some perspectives on how to discuss the skills and the strength that I have that I bring to the table. Another one is simply um, just knowing your Myers-Briggs profile. Um, I'm an INFP, um, so I have lots of feelings all the time, and um, I have learned that that can be a strength and a benefit when I'm developing relationships with people, when I'm working with creative people, when I can sort of figure out... um, I'm finely tuned to the unspoken um, and emotions of things. So even understanding your Myers Briggs, what's that what that means for you, how that means you show up at work, that in combination with StrengthsFinder. Finder. And if you have a mentor, any it could be a it could be somebody you know who's a friend, a neighbor, someone you like having a conversation with. So my mentor um, is a friend of mine I met on the train commuting. Gosh. 25 years ago, uh, I was commuting from New Jersey to New York, and I met somebody looking for a spot on the New Jersey transit train who was wearing, he happened to be wearing the same sneakers as me, and there was an open seat next to him. We became train friends. This person, I am so grateful, recognized that I had potential beyond the work that I was currently doing. And without asking, he uh, shared some work, some insight with me. He helped me see my potential more. Um, And I still consider him a mentor that I credit with helping me shift into this work. So a mentor doesn't have to be someone at your job. It doesn't have to be a former college professor. It doesn't have to necessarily be somebody in an authority position. It can just be a friend and an ally who invests in you. And um, that made it. That made a huge difference to me. I still credit him with helping
2: me um,
1: break through to this work.
2: This is a beautiful story. And mentors <laughs> come in all shapes, sizes, flavors, colors, places. On a train, we don't have to always make this some burdensome exercise that I must go seek, find, and cultivate a mentor. Or for those of you that want to mentor, it doesn't need to be this formal. It might be as simple as, oh, there's commonality in our sneakers and now we're gelling. And now it's two human beings working together and helping one another. Even though there's this mental picture that a mentor is the expert and the mentee, I don't like that word, but that's what people call it. The person being mentored is less than. I don't see it that way at all. I see it as this duality and this like one plus one equals three equation and that you're both growing and you're both learning. And a 25 year relationship sounds like an incredible lasting friendship. Yeah. Started with sneakers in common, (laughs) right?
1: True. Totally true. There's probably people listening who already have a mentor mentee relationship and don't realize it, whether it's someone who's come to you like, Hey, can you just look at my resume? Guess what? That's that's mentorship. Or um, can you look at my LinkedIn? Or do you have any advice? Or what do you know about this company? That's that. Those are moments of
2: mentorship. Absolutely, and it's great that you can prescribe it so simply and clearly because we're all a little overwhelmed. Let's face it; we have come through ideally a year of we know what. And we've all had to adapt. We've all had to flex. And the last episode, interestingly, I talked to someone who was really influenced by a teacher. Sometimes it's one teacher who makes all the difference in a person's life. They see that light, they actually invest in them and help them get on their path. In your case, maybe it's the mentorship plus the self identifying, uh, what I'm great at, what energizes me, plus some coaching plus tools. Myers is a tool, Strength Finders is a tool. Most of my listeners know I use strength Finders as a baseline. We'll put in the show notes how to get a Strengths finder assessment for yourself with Gallup and Clifton. It's very simple. And like Sarah said, it's very inexpensive and it's fast. It's like a 40-minute assessment. I will put in a disclaimer. It is not a test because a test denotes right or wrong, good or bad. Strengths are strengths. And the weaknesses, if you will, are blind spots to Sarah's point. And there are workarounds, especially in your life with others others that you find yourself gelling with that complement what you aren't so great at and vice versa. So I'm so thrilled you brought that up. So before we have to wrap, Sarah, normally we end in a quote, I kind of stole your thunder with your roomy quote. So do you have any other quotes that you want to share that are important and enlightening for you and for others? Or do you want to just tell the listeners anything about this whole notion of, why employers? I'm gonna go back to this. Yeah, let's. Yeah. Are, are giggy? Like they're getting giggy with it. Yeah. What's going on with that? <laughs> Just tell us. I love that. You know, I think you know
1: it's low commitment for employers. Um, it's been a challenge for me to navigate my life personally, financially, Where when I don't have the, long, the long-term view of how this, this job is going to impact me financially, um, because in six months, it's going to look different. I may have a different paycheck. I may not have a paycheck at all. I have to figure out what's happening with my own health insurance. It, everything is is on me to do. That's a distraction. Quite honestly, if it's something that my employer just simply takes care of, however they choose to take care of it, I can go to an office, a page and figure it out. I'm not distracted by it, but it's low commitment. um, And I think there's a sort of psychology or there's a psychological toll that that takes. It feels like someone is not necessarily investing in you long term. And I think if they're trying to save money, you get what you pay for. Um, I think that if if the same amount of time is taken by recruiters and HR to find the candidate, then that's where you know better than me how much money is spent doing that. The investment is already made. I think whatever's holding them back from putting a ring on it. Might not be worth the price that they're saving in someone's whatever they're saving. I would love to take all my experience from Netflix, from Tiffany and Company, from Lucky Brand, from Josie Marin, from OPI, from all of these fantastic globally recognized brands and invest that somewhere. And if someone's willing to have me, you know, we'll have a nice long relationship, but it may be in six months, um, you know, I'm moving on and I'm the one that got away.
2: I love your advocacy and your clarity. This is why the listeners are working on becoming smarter and smarter and smarter. It's those conscious trade-offs. It's knowing what you want, dumping what you don't. It's, you know, Kenny Rogers, no one to hold him, no one to fold him, no one to walk away. And the challenge I'm going to put out to the employer community is don't be lazy. Don't be uncommitted. If you love someone who's a core essential type of workforce additive human, put a ring on it if that isn't the best quote of the whole series this year i don't know what is so this show is so grateful to you our listeners are certain are going to reach out and try to connect with you don't all bombard her for mentorship at (laughs) once and we will put in show notes ways to keep the dialogue going you've given us a lot to get clear about and we're super grateful
1: oh i'm so glad i'm so glad i feel like if my thoughts um
2: can help give anybody clarity, then, um, you know, I'm
0: grateful for that. I assure you they will. Thank you. Settle Smarter was produced by New Dog Media in association with Phoenix Fifth, who are solely responsible for the content. If you love the show, please subscribe, tell your friends and give it five stars wherever you listen. We are available wherever you hear your podcasts. Check out the show notes for info on today's guest, as well as all things Dana Look Arimoto, her latest book, speaking engagements, and how to contact her or give us comments about the show. The show is edited and recorded by Paul Godwin, who also composed our theme music. Today, we also heard music from the Sippy Cups. We heard a wake from the Time Machine on Snacker Disc Records. Oh, For Dana Look Arimoto and the entire Subtle Smarter team, this is Paul Godwin saying, see you next time.